0: Chapter Twenty of Riders of the Purple Sage. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Laurie Ann Walden. Riders of the Purple Sage by Zane Grey. Chapter Twenty. Lassiter's Way. Footprints told the story of Little Fay's abduction. In anguish, Jane Witherspoon turned speechlessly to Lassiter. "'and, confirming her fears, she saw him grey-faced, "'aged all in a moment, stricken as if by a mortal blow. "'Then all her life seemed to fall about her in wreck and ruin. "'It's all over,' she heard her voice whisper. "'It's ended. I'm going—I'm going—' "'Where?' demanded Lassiter, suddenly looming darkly over her. "'To—to those cruel men—' "'Speak names,' thundered Lassiter. "'To Bishop Dyer, to Tull,' went on Jane, shocked into obedience. "'Well, what for?' "'I want little Fay. I can't live without her. "'They've stolen her as they stole Millie Earn's child. "'I must have little Fay. I want only her. "'I give up. I'll go and tell Bishop Dyer I'm broken. "'I'll tell him I'm ready for the yoke.' "'Only give me back Fay, and—and I'll marry Tull.' "'Never!' hissed Lassiter. His long arm leaped at her. Almost running, he dragged her under the cottonwoods, across the court, into the huge hall of Witherstein House, and he shut the door with a force that jarred the heavy walls. Black Star and Night and Bells, since their return, had been locked in this hall, and now they stamped on the stone floor.' Lassiter released Jane, and like a dizzy man, swayed from her with a hoarse cry, and leaned shaking against a table where he kept his rider's accoutrements. He began to fumble in his saddle-bags. His action brought a clinking, metallic sound, the rattling of gun cartridges. His fingers trembled as he slipped cartridges into an extra belt. But as he buckled it over the one he habitually wore, his hands became steady. This second belt contained two guns, smaller than the black one swinging low, and he slipped them round so that his coat hid them. Then he fell to swift action. Jane Witherstein watched him, fascinated but uncomprehending, and she saw him rapidly saddle Blackstar and Knight. Then he drew her into the light of the huge windows, standing over her, gripping her arm with fingers like cold steel. "'Yes, Jane, it's ended, but you're not going to dire. "'I'm going instead.' "'Looking at him, he was so terrible of aspect, "'she could not comprehend his words. "'Who was this man with the face grey as death, "'with eyes that would have made her shriek had she the strength, "'with the strange, ruthlessly bitter lips? "'Where was the gentle Lassiter? "'What was this presence in the hall, about him, about her, "'this cold, invisible presence?' "'Yes, it's ended, Jane,' "'he was saying, so awfully quiet and cool and implacable. "'And I'm going to make a little call. "'I'll lock you in here, and when I get back "'have the saddlebags full of meat and bread, "'and be ready to ride.' Lassiter cried Jane. "'Desperately she tried to meet his grey eyes, in vain. "'Desperately she tried again, "'fought herself as feeling and thought resurged in torment, "'and she succeeded, and then she knew.' "'No, no, no!' she wailed. "'You said you'd foregone your vengeance. "'You promised not to kill Bishop Dyer.' "'If you want to talk to me about him, leave off the bishop. "'I don't understand that name or its use.' "'Oh, hadn't you foregone your vengeance on on Dyer?' "'Yes.' "'But your actions, your words, your guns, your terrible looks, "'they don't seem foregoing vengeance.' Jane, now it's justice. You'll kill him, if God lets me live another hour. If not God, then the devil who drives me. You'll kill him for yourself, for your vengeful hate. No, for Milly Earns' sake. No, for little Faye's. No. Oh, for whose? For yours. "'His blood on my soul,' whispered Jane, and she fell to her knees. "'This was the long-pending hour of fruition, "'and the habit of years, the religious passion of her life, "'leaped from lethargy, and the long months of gradual drifting to doubt "'were as if they had never been. "'If you spill his blood, it'll be on my soul, and on my father's. "'Listen!' and she clasped his knees, and clung there as he tried to raise her. "'Listen, am I nothing to you?' "'Woman, don't trifle at words. "'I love you, and I'll soon prove it. "'I'll give myself to you. "'I'll ride away with you, marry you. "'If only you'll spare him.' His answer was a cold, ringing, terrible laugh. "'Lassiter, I'll love you. "'Spare him.' "'No.' She sprang up in despairing, breaking spirit, and encircled his neck with her arms, and held him in an embrace that he strove vainly to loosen. "'Lassiter, would you kill me? "'I'm fighting my last fight for the principles of my youth, "'love of religion, love of father. "'You don't know, you can't guess the truth, "'and I can't speak ill. "'I'm losing all, I'm changing. "'All I've gone through is nothing to this hour. "'Pity me, help me in my weakness. "'You are strong again, oh, so cruelly, coldly strong. "'You're killing me. "'I see you, feel you as some other Lassiter.' "'My master, be merciful. Spare him.' His answer was a ruthless smile. She clung the closer to him and leaned her panting breast on him and lifted her face to his. "'Lassiter, I do love you. It's leaped out of my agony. It comes suddenly with a terrible blow of truth. You are a man. I never knew it till now. Some wonderful change came to me when you buckled on these guns and showed that grey, awful face.' I loved you then. All my life I've loved, but never It's now. No woman can love like a broken woman. If it were not for one thing, just one thing, and yet I can't speak it, I'd glory in your manhood, the lion in you that means to slay for me. Believe me, and spare Dyer. Be merciful, great, as it's in you to be great." "'Oh, listen and believe, I have nothing, but I'm a woman, a beautiful woman, Lassiter, a passionate, loving woman, and I love you. Take me, hide me in some wild place, and love me, and mend my broken heart. Spare him, and take me away.' She lifted her face closer and closer to his, until their lips nearly touched, and she hung upon his neck, and with strength almost spent, pressed and still pressed her palpitating body to his.' "'Kiss me,' she whispered, blindly. "'No, not at your price,' he answered. His voice had changed, or she had lost clearness of hearing. "'Kiss me. Are you a man? Kiss me and save me.' "'Jane, you never played fair with me, but now you're blistering your lips, blackening your soul with lies. "'By the memory of my mother, by my Bible, no, no, I have no Bible.' "'But by my hope of heaven I swear I love you.' Lassiter's grey lips formed soundless words that meant even her love could not avail to bend his will. As if the hold of her arms was that of a child's, he loosened it and stepped away. "'Wait, don't go. Oh, hear a last word. "'May a more just and merciful God than the God I was taught to worship "'judge me, forgive me, save me, for I can no longer keep silent.' "'Lassiter, in pleading for Dyer, I've been pleading more for my father. "'My father was a Mormon master, close to the leaders of the church. "'It was my father who sent Dyer out to proselyte. "'It was my father who had the blue ice eye and the beard of gold. "'It was my father you got trace of in the past years. "'Truly, Dyer ruined Millie Erne, dragged her from her home to Utah, to Cottonwoods. "'But it was for my father.' If Millie Earn was ever wife of a Mormon, that Mormon was my father. I never knew, never will know, whether or not she was a wife. Blind I may be, Lassiter, fanatically faithful to a false religion I may have been, but I know justice, and my father is beyond human justice. Surely he is meeting just punishment somewhere. Always it has appalled me, the thought of your killing Dyer for my father's sins. So I have prayed." Jane, the past is dead. In my love for you, I forgot the past. This thing I'm about to do ain't for myself, or Millie, or Fay. It's not because of anything that's happened in the past, but for what is happening right now. It's for you. And listen, since I was a boy, I've never thanked God for anything. If there is a God, and I've come to believe it, I thank Him now for the years that made me Lassiter. I can reach down and feel these big guns, and know what I can do with them. And Jane, only one of the miracles Dyer professes to believe in, can save him. Again for Jane Withersteen came the spinning of her brain in darkness, and as she whirled in endless chaos she seemed to be falling at the feet of a luminous figure, a man, Lassiter, who had saved her from herself, who could not be changed, who would slay rightfully. Then she slipped into utter blackness. When she recovered from her faint, she became aware that she was lying on a couch near the window in her sitting-room. Her brow felt damp and cold and wet. Someone was chafing her hands. She recognized Judkins, and then saw that his lean, hard face wore the hue and look of excessive agitation. "'Judkins!' her voice broke weakly. "'Oh, Miss Witherstein, you're coming round fine. Now just lay still a little. You're all right. Everything's all right.' Where is he? Who? Lassiter. You needn't worry none about him. Where is he? Tell me, instantly. Well, he's in the other room, patching up a few triflin' bullet holes. Ah, Bishop Dyer. When I seen him last, a matter of half an hour ago, he was on his knees. He was some busy, but he wasn't prayin'. How strangely you talk. I'll sit up. I'm well, strong again. Tell me, Dyer on his knees? What was he doing? Well, beggin' your pardon for blunt talk, Miss Withersteen. Dyer was on his knees and not prayin'. You remember his big broad hands? You've seen em raised in blessin' over old gray men, and little curly headed children like like Fay Larkin. Come to think of that, I disremember ever hearin' of his liftin' his big hands in blessin' over a woman. "'Well, when I seen him last, just a little while ago, "'he was on his knees, not prayin', as I remarked, "'and he was pressin' his big hands over some bigger wounds.' "'Man, you drive me mad. Did Lassiter kill Dyer?' "'Yes.' "'Did he kill Tull?' "'No. Tull's out of the village with most of his riders. "'He's expected back before evenin'. "'Lassiter will have to get away before Tull and his riders come in. "'It's sure death for him here.' "'And wuss for you, too, Miss Withersteen. "'There'll be some of an uprising when Tall gets back. "'I shall ride away with Lassiter. "'Judkins, tell me all you saw, all you know about this killing.' "'She realized, without wonder or amaze, how Judkins' one word, "'affirming the death of Dyer, that the catastrophe had fallen, "'had completed the change whereby she had been moulded or beaten or broken into another woman.' She felt calm, slightly cold, strong as she had not been strong since the first shadow fell upon her. "'I just saw about all of it, Miss Witherstein, and I'll be glad to tell you, if you'll only have patience with me,' said Judkins, earnestly. "'You see, I've been peculiarly interested, and naturally I'm some excited, and I talk a lot that maybe ain't necessary, but I can't help that. I was at the meeting-house where Dyer was holding court.' "'You know he allus acts as magistrate and judge when tulls away. "'And the trial was for trying what's left of my boy riders "'that helped me hold your cattle, "'for a lot of hatched-up things the boys never did. "'We're used to that, "'and the boys wouldn't have minded being locked up for a while, "'or having to dig ditches, or whatever the judge laid down. "'You see, I divided the gold you give me among all my boys, "'and they all hid it, and they all feel rich.' "'Howsomever, court was adjourned before the judge passed sentence.' "'Yes, ma'am, court was adjourned, some strange and quick, much as if lightnin' had struck the meetin' house. "'I had trouble attendin' the trial, but I got in. "'There was a good many people there, all my boys, and Judge Dyer with his several clerks. "'Also he had with him the five riders who have been guardin' him pretty close of late. "'They was Carter, Wright, Jingison, and two new riders from Stonebridge.' "'I didn't hear their names, but I heard they was handy men with guns, "'and they looked more like rustlers than riders. "'Anyway, there they was, the five all in a row. "'Judge Dyer was tellin' Willie Kern, one of my best and steadiest boys. "'Dyer was tellin' him how there was a ditch opened near Willie's home "'lettin' water through his lot, where it hadn't ought to go. "'And Willie was tryin' to get a word in to prove he wasn't at home all the day it happened, "'which was true, as I know.' But Willie couldn't get a word in, and then Judge Dyer went on layin' down the law, and all to once, he happened to look down the long room, and if ever any man turned to stone, he was that man. Naturally, I looked back to see what had acted so powerful strange on the judge, and there, halfway up the room, in the middle of the wide aisle, stood Lassiter. All white and black, he looked, and I can't think of anything he resembled unless it's death. "'Venters made that same room some still and chilly when he called Tull, but this was different. "'I give my word, Miss Witherstein, that I went cold to my very marrow. "'I don't know why, but Lassiter had a way about him that's awful. "'He spoke a word, a name. "'I couldn't understand it, though he spoke clear as a bell. "'I was too excited, maybe. "'Judge Dyer must have understood it, and a lot more that was mystery to me, "'for he pitched forward out of his chair right onto the platform.' Then them five riders, Dyer's bodyguards, they jumped up, and two of them that I found out afterwards were the strangers from Stone Bridge, they piled right out of a window so quick you couldn't catch your breath. It was plain they wasn't Mormons. Jingison, Carter, and Wright eyed Lassiter for what must have been a second, and seemed like an hour, and they went white and strung, but they didn't weaken nor lose their nerve. I had a good look at Lassiter. He stood sort of stiff, Bending a little, and both his arms were crooked, and his hands looked like a hawk's claws. But there ain't no tellin' how his eyes looked. I know this, though, and that is his eyes could read the mind of any man about to throw a gun. And in watching him, of course, I couldn't see the three men go for their guns. And though I was looking right at Lassiter, looking hard, I couldn't see how he drawled. He was quicker than eyesight, that's all. But I seen the red spurtin of his guns and heard his shots just the very littlest instant before I heard the shots of the riders and when I turned Wright and Carter was down, and Jingison, who's tough like a steer, was pullin the trigger of a wobblin gun, but it was plain he was shot through plumb center, and sudden he fell with a crash, and his gun clattered on the floor. Then there was a hell of a silence, nobody breathed, certain I didn't anyway. "'I saw Lassiter slip a smokin' gun back in a belt. "'But he hadn't throwed either of the big black guns, "'and I thought that strange. "'And all this was happenin' quick. "'You can't imagine how quick.' "'There came a scrapin' on the floor, and Dyer got up, "'his face like lead. "'I wanted to watch Lassiter, but Dyer's face, "'once I seen it like that, glued my eyes. "'I seen him go for his gun. "'Why, I could a done better, quicker.' "'and then there was a thunderin' shot from Lassiter, "'and it hit Dyer's right arm "'and his gun went off as it dropped. "'He looked at Lassiter like a cornered sage-wolf "'and sort of howled "'and reached down for his gun. "'He'd just picked it off the floor "'and was raising it when another thundering shot "'almost tore that arm off, so it seemed to me. "'The gun dropped again "'and he went down on his knees, "'kind of floundering after it. "'It was some strange and terrible "'to see his awful earnestness. Why would such a man cling so to life? Anyway, he got the gun with left hand, and was raising it, pullin' trigger in his madness, when the third thunderin' shot hit his left arm, and he dropped the gun again. But that left arm wasn't useless yet, for he grabbed up the gun, and with a shaken aim that would have been pitiful to me, in any other man, he began to shoot. One wild bullet struck a man twenty feet from Lassiter, and it killed that man, as I seen afterwards. "'Then came a bunch of thundering shots. nine I calculated after, "'for they come so quick I couldn't count them, "'and I knew Lassiter had turned the black guns loose on Dyer. "'I'm telling you straight, Miss Witherstein, "'for I want you to know. "'Afterward you'll get over it. "'I seen some soul-racking scenes on this Utah border, "'but this was the awfulest. "'I remember I closed my eyes, "'and for a minute I thought of the strangest things, "'out of place there, "'such as you'd never dream would come to mind.' I saw the sage and runnin hosses, and that's the beautifulest sight to me. And I saw dim things in the dark, and there was a kind of humming in my ears. And I remember distinctly, for it was what made all these things whirl out of my mind and open my eyes. I remember distinctly it was the smell of gunpowder. The court had about adjourned for that judge. He was on his knees, and he wasn't praying; he was gasping and trying to press his big floppin, crippled hands over his body. "'Lassiter had sent all those last thunderin' shots through his body. "'That was Lassiter's way. "'And Lassiter spoke, and if I ever forget his words, "'I'll never forget the sound of his voice. Proselyter, I reckon you'd better call quick on that God "'who reveals hisself to you on earth, "'because he won't be visitin' the place you're goin' to. "'And then I seen Dyer look at his big hangin' hands "'that wasn't big enough for the last work he set them to, "'and he looked up at Lassiter.' And then he stared horrible at something that wasn't Lassiter, nor anyone there, nor the room, nor the branches of purple sage peeping into the window. Whatever he seen, it was with the look of a man who discovers something too late. That's a terrible look. And with a horrible, understanding cry, he slid forward on his face. Judkins paused in his narrative, breathing heavily while he wiped his perspiring brow. "'That's about all,' he concluded." Lassiter left the meetin' house, and I hurried to catch up with him. He was bleeding from three gunshots, none of them much to bother him, and we come right up here. I found you layin' in the hall, and I had to work some over you. Jane Witherstein offered up no prayer for Dyer's soul. Lassiter's step sounded in the hall, the familiar soft, silver-clinking step, and she heard it with thrilling new emotions in which was a vague joy in her very fear of him. The door opened, and she saw him, the old Lassiter, slow, easy, gentle, cool, yet not exactly the same Lassiter. She rose, and for a moment her eyes blurred and swam in tears. "'Are you all all right?' she asked tremulously. "'I reckon.' "'Lassiter, I'll ride away with you. Hide me till danger is past, till we are forgotten. Then take me where you will. Your people shall be my people.' "'And your God, my God.' "'He kissed her hand with the quaint grace and courtesy "'that came to him in rare moments. "'Black star and night are ready,' he said, simply. "'His quiet mention of the black racers spurred Jane to action. "'Hurrying to her room, she changed to her rider's suit, "'packed her jewelry and the gold that was left, "'and all the woman's apparel for which there was space in the saddlebags, "'and then returned to the hall.' Black Star stamped his iron-shod hoofs and tossed his beautiful head and eyed her with knowing eyes. Judkins, I give bells to you, said Jane. I hope you will always keep him and be good to him. Judkins mumbled thanks that he could not speak fluently, and his eyes flashed. Lassiter strapped Jane's saddlebags upon Black Star and led the racers out into the court. "'Judkins, you ride with Jane out into the sage. "'If you see any riders coming, shout quick twice. "'And Jane, don't look back. "'I'll catch up soon. "'We'll get to the break into the pass before midnight, "'and then wait until morning to go down.' Black Star bent his graceful neck and bowed his noble head, and his broad shoulders yielded as he knelt for Jane to mount. She rode out of the court beside Judkins, through the grove, across the wide lane into the sage, "'and she realized that she was leaving Witherstein House forever, "'and she did not look back. "'A strange, dreamy, calm peace pervaded her soul. "'Her doom had fallen upon her, "'but instead of finding life no longer worth living, "'she found it doubly significant, "'full of sweetness as the western breeze, "'beautiful and unknown as the sage-slope "'stretching its purple sunset shadows before her. "'She became aware of Judkin's hand touching hers.' She heard him speak a husky good-bye. Then into the place of bells shot the dead black, keen, racy nose of night, and she knew Lassiter rode beside her. Don't look back, he said, and his voice, too, was not clear. Facing straight ahead, seeing only the waving, shadowy sage, Jane held out her gauntleted hand to feel it enclosed in strong clasp. So she rode on without a backward glance at the beautiful grove of Cottonwoods. She did not seem to think of the past of what she left for but of the color and mystery and wildness of the sage-slope leading down to Deception Pass, and of the future. She watched the shadows lengthen down the slope. She felt the cool west wind sweeping by from the rear, and she wondered at low yellow clouds sailing swiftly over her and beyond. "'Don't look back,' said Lassiter thick driving belts of smoke traveled by on the wind, and with it came a strong, pungent odor of burning wood. Lassiter had fired Witherstein House, but Jane did not look back. A misty veil obscured the clear, searching gaze she had kept steadfastly upon the purple slope and the dim lines of canyons. It passed, as passed the rolling clouds of smoke, and she saw the valley deepening into the shades of twilight." night came on, swift as the fleet racers, and stars peeped out to brighten and grow, and the huge, windy, eastern heave of sage-level paled under a rising moon and turned to silver. Blanched in moonlight, the sage yet seemed to hold its hue of purple, and was infinitely more wild and lonely. So the night hours wore on, and Jane Witherstein never once looked back. End of chapter 20